Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, and we ask you to touch our hearts, to inspire our faith and our confidence in the destiny that you've invited us to individually and corporately as a spiritual family. And I ask that you would stir us and reset our heart in a special, in a new way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning I have a, an, an unusual title. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. I'm trying to, it's, a, it's kind of funny. It's a parody of uh, the title of our two weekends in July that we had this summer, which is a weird name for two weekends. But So I'm calling this Four Saturdays in May, <laughs> just to play off of the other one. What I'm thinking of is what happened in those four Saturdays in 1983 in May. Four dramatic, prophetic encounters and messages were given to us in the month of May, four of them, 38 year, 39 years ago. So that's why I'm calling it just to have fun, four Saturdays in May. That would be May 7, May 14, May 21, and May 28. I considered those, that, that 21-day period as, when I look back over nearly 50 years of ministry, I look back, and that was the most significant three weeks in my personal ministry when I look back over 50 years, where the Lord spoke dramatically four times in a way that's still impacting us today, near 40 years later. Well, there's one little qualifier you need to put in here, is that the May 14th Saturday, the events that happened actually might have happened May 15th or 16th, technically, because I didn't actually pay attention to the date in a real precise way till a couple years later. But that messes up my title, so I'm just saying May 14, but I'm being honest, it might have been May 15. But uh, I want my title to work, so just to have fun with it. But I think it was May 14, I really do. Well, what happened is that four weeks ago today, on September 19th, our 22-year IHOP anniversary, Chris Reed was here. And he gave a message on uh, September 19th, four weeks ago, and he highlighted with, with real passion, and he said, God is transitioning this spiritual family. You're in a 40-year transitional period right now. And he likened it to Moses and Joshua, 40 years in the wilderness, and then after, after they came out of Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness, then they're at the Jordan River, which was the entrance to the promised land. He, he was saying, IHOP spiritual family, you're at the Jordan River. You're at the transition, a 40-year transitional point. And he made a big point about that. You can go hear the message, and, and I've got some uh, notes, and I've been studying it and looking at it. And, and so I was backstage talking, uh, mentioned to Isaac. I go, 40 years ago. Yeah, I hadn't done the math. And I said, you know, next May, I just whispered this to Isaac, May 2022 begins the 40 years after that very significant three-week period, that 21-day fast we had in May 83. I go, at the end of it, we actually begin our 40th year. And I never thought about that before. So I was kind of paying attention in a new way. Then a few days after Chris gave that word that very week, I had uh, some conversation with some uh, different leaders and they were talking about the Truman property. 
and uh, with, with uh, David Bradshaw and some of the leaders with the sand and some others, and about the Truman property, and some things started developing. And then the next day or two, somebody else came through and talked to me about the Truman property. The Truman property, most of you know, which is about two miles from here, right there, uh, 160 acres on highway, uh, on Interstate 49. We have 160 acres debt-free right there on the highway, ready to do something that God gave us sovereignly as a gift. Then another couple days went by, and some other leaders came in town and said, what about the Truman property? And in the last 20 days, I probably had five important conversations about the Truman property in five years. And I've had 10 important conversations in the last 20 days. And we're in this 40-year transitional time, approaching it, and all of a sudden, the Lord is highlighting the Truman property in a, in a kind of a dynamic and even dramatic way. And I don't want to give details just yet, but I've had about 10 important, seemingly random conversations about the Truman property and, and developing it in some ways that is quite surprising and different beyond what I've ever thought before. And it would be presumptuous for me to give details at this point in time because things aren't clear and confirmed, but... And I'll share more as the Lord confirms it, but we're in a, like the dominoes are going down. Something is happening with the Truman property related to even touching the nation of Israel and what's happening in the end times is like, I am like really paying attention. So for these last about 20 days, yay, 30 days going back to Chris Reed visit, I've been thinking much about the Truman property just without even the Lord asking my permission. It's in front of me every day and I'm going, did somebody push a button up in heaven? Where did this come from? I'm talking about random conversations of people that did not know that I just talked about the day before. I've been thinking a lot about the prophetic history, a lot about Chris Reed's word that we're approaching that season for a 40-year transitional period, moving out of the wilderness to the promised land, which means that season where some of the promises, and we've been given glorious promises, some of them will come into greater open fulfillment and manifestation. Well, just to jump ahead to one of those four Saturdays in May, of course, that's May 83, that's 39 years ago, nearly May, uh, just because it, 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 uh, the Lord highlighted it Friday through Chris Reed, uh, I had made this handout, actually, on Thursday, because preparing to give it uh, the first time to the Friday night service at 5 o'clock, and so I've got the handout on Thursday, and I've put the healing encounter with the Lord appearing as Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. No disease known to man will stand before this people. Many of you know that story. I've told it many times, and I've got it quite a few times on video and trans transcriptions on, the, uh, on our website. If you want to hear the 20, 30-minute version of it, it was very dramatic promise of God bringing healing. Well, in that that, that would have been that third Saturday in May. I was writing these things down and, and, and recalling and writing down that in a prophetic dream that very night on that, on that third Saturday, I saw 1 Corinthians 15.10 and Matthew 10.8 in a prophetic dream about healing. And again, the Lord appeared. It, it was a dramatic like 36-hour period. It's, when I look back at that, it's one of the dearest in my life looking back. So I'm writing 1 Corinthians 15.10, in Matthew 10, 8, because it, it affects that. And I got a little bit of details on that on page one. I mean, on page two on the notes here, but we'll, we'll maybe look at it later and a lot of it on the internet. But so I get this text from Chris Reed. He goes, I had a dream last night on Thursday, right at the same time I'm writing this handout. I mean, the same day. 
He goes, you're proclaiming 1 Corinthians 15, 10 and Matthew 10, 8, the very verses I just wrote. He goes, you're proclaiming it right now. And I thought, nobody knows I've made this handout and what I'm going to share Friday night and Sunday morning. Nobody does. And he says, that I saw you at the platform declaring those two verses. And the Lord is Jehovah Rapha with the healing anointing. And so I was just stirred again. I thought, Lord, you're, you're getting my attention. I'm alerted by the fact, and it's, it's, it's a big story thing that I want to grab our attention to, not necessarily even the details of those four Saturdays and those four prophetic events that happened on those four Saturdays. I'll mention them, but it's really the bigger storyline. It's the composite story that I want us to be entering into a conversation in the next six months as a spiritual family as to the significance of the big storyline. What is really happening in this time, in this hour, right now, is what's really happening? And I look back, and so I see this 40-year transitional word from Chris, and I think it's a real one. But then I'll give you a little bit more of this in a few minutes. There's three 50-year jubilee, I'll call them jubilee, timing indicators that are the backdrop of this 40-year transition. And then there are these four words in May all of them converging together, actually, to make a, a big story. So I'm uh, alerted by it. I'm paying attention. I'm encouraged. Uh, I'm going, Lord, something is up, and our leadership team is seeking more insight about this, even right now. Now, these four Saturdays in May, again, May 83, 39 years ago nearly, I've typically interpreted each one of those four prophetic words individually in an isolated way. They've kind of stood on their own. They're glorious words. But now I feel the Lord is nudging me and whispering, interpret them and how they affect and, and how they uh, uh, relate and reflect and on one another, how they work together. And I've never put the four together as one storyline. I just saw them as four separate words. But the Lord is saying... In May of 83, I gave you four key points. It's one story. Now you're at a 40-year mark, and I've given you three jubilee timing indicators all converging together. What am I saying to you right now in this time when nations are shaking more and more and there's upheaval and turmoil? The Lord is saying, I'm with you. I'm gonna show you I will be true to my words to you. I'm gonna show you what I've been zealous about all of these years. So I'm wanting to stir up our spiritual family because in six months, we reach May 2022, which begins that 40 years. It's the very first beginning of the 40 years, and I don't want that 40 years to come at the very same time. The send is bringing thousands of people to Arrowhead Stadium for a day of fasting and prayer and crying out for God and Israel, and we're deeply connected to that, so Arrowhead Stadium is gonna be filled there and there's a special connection with us and them and Israel and some other things all converging in May. And I'm thinking, I don't want us to get to May and just kind of like, oh, it's May. What meaneth thou this? I want us to be thinking about it for six months. The Lord's whispering right now saying, I, I kind of tipped you off with Chris Reed. I gave you about nine months to think about it. Eight months, whatever the, the amount is. So I'm uh, pretty encouraged. Let's look at Roman numeral number one. We get to the notes here, and again, I'm just going to look at some of these a little bit. More, I'm wanting to stir you up to a larger conversation and to get us thinking for six months and praying. 
First of all, I want to talk about the passage I use each time that Paul said to Timothy, wage war, spiritual warfare, according to the prophecies that have been given to you. Now, we don't base our ministry on prophetic words. We don't base our, but we base our ministry on our relationship to Jesus and his word. But prophetic words give us insight into what he's zealous to do in us and through us. When the Lord gives a prophetic word and confirms it, he's really saying, do you get what I'm saying? I'm zealous for this. And if I'm zealous for it, I'm gonna help you walk in it. And if I'm zealous for it, it's dear to me. And if you love me and you know this is dear to me, then you're gonna engage your heart with all of your heart because you love me. And this, I'm letting you know what's dear to me. A lot of folks think of prophetic words as what's gonna make their life better. But I take a step back and think of a prophetic word as an insight into what Jesus is zealous for in your life. And I love you, and I love you, and if you really care, I wanna do that then. If you want us to do 24-7, you speak audibly, which he did back in May 83. I wanna do 24-7 prayer then with worship. If, if you're not really into it, I don't really wanna do it. But if it means something to you, I wanna do it. And that's what this prophetic uh, promises. Now, promises inspire us to persevere in our obedience and to stay locked in to the Lord and our faithfulness. And so when we have a prophetic word, we wage war. Instead of giving up and giving in and caving in and quitting, we declare the prophetic word and say, this is what you care about and this is what you're committed to in your relationship with me and us so, hey, instead of quitting and caving in, which is the natural tendency of everybody, just, oh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. No, we wage war using the words that God spoke over us. Paragraph B. Well, let's go back nearly 39 years ago to the first time that I met Bob Jones. And most of you know Bob Jones, very important part of our early years here in the 80s. And he's been with the Lord for some years now. He died in his 80s. Back in 2014, he died at age 84. And, uh, but in the early in the 80s, the Lord used him in a dramatic way where he would speak a word and then the Lord confirmed it in ways far outside of his ability to control it or touch it or make it happen. And it was uh, quite remarkable. And so the first day I meet him, near 39 years ago, uh, our church is over in Overland Park. He walks in and we talked for two or three hours, and I didn't connect with him at all. He said so many bizarre things to me, and I couldn't hardly believe any of them. I just said it was kind of entertaining. At first, it was kind of weird. Then it got entertaining. I was enjoying it, thinking this is kind of fun, but I don't really believe anything he's telling me because he said things so outlandish that it made no sense to me. Well, one of the things he said, he says, the Lord's going to use you. Again, this is near 39 years ago. He's going to use you to lead, and he meant inspire, a worldwide youth movement of worship and prayer, but worship with music, singers and musicians. And I thought, you know, I'm like a zero singer, zero musician. And I thought, really? And uh, he said he's going to use you to mobilize prayer for Israel. I didn't, I didn't even care about Israel. I never prayed for Israel once. And I thought, and he gave, he, he gave me two to three hours of words, and they were so random and outside the box of anything I thought of. It was so unlikely. I said, I'm about as likely to lead 
a worldwide inspire thousands, millions of young people in worship and singing, I'm about as likely to do that as I am to lead a worldwide you know, fashion designer movement or something, <laughs> or gourmet cook chef movement. Zero chance that's going to happen. I could give some seminars on making handouts, but none of that other stuff. <laughs> so anyway, it was so bizarre, completely outside the box. None of it interested me when he said it. Paragraph C. He talked about, and he said, the Lord's gonna move you from Overland Park. We had a young adult congregation. We were about four months old. We had about 500 young people, mostly young people. He's gonna move you from Overland Park to Grandview. And he says, and he called Grandview the blue-collar side of Kansas City. And Bob Jones was a blue-collar guy. And he said, but it, Overland Park, I mean, we had in the, you know, a couple mile radius, a number of many million-dollar houses and a lot of young executives that the Lord had blessed in their economically. And I go, Grandview? I go, our people don't really shop there. And he goes, oh, they're going to, I promise you. And I said, why would we move to Grandview? It makes no sense to me. Why would we up, uproot our entire young adult new congregation and move down to Grandview from Overland Park? And he gave me the strangest answer. He goes, because Harry S. Truman lived in Grandview. I go, well, that, that sells, settles it. Let's move. <laughs> I go, well, so? <laughs> Although I was nicer, because, you know, he was like, you know, in his mid-50s, I'm in my mid-20s. I want to be respectful. I'm going, I'm just inside going, this doesn't make any sense. And he goes, because he's going to put you on his land, and it will be a prophetic sign and a wonder. It will, it will really blow your mind when he does it on his land. He goes, yeah, he had a farm there, a 600-acre farm, and you're going to be on part of it. And the Lord's going to show you how zealous he is for what he's promised to do on that land. I go, what's he promised to do on this land? I go, why do you care about Truman's land? And then he gave another strange answer. Well, I go, why do, why, why do we care about being on his land? He says, because the Holy Spirit has shown me very strong prophetic word that Harry S. Truman was a sovereignly called political intercessor for Israel in a very unique way in history, that he had a very unique role in Israel becoming a nation in 1948 after 2,000 years of not being a nation nearly. I said, no, a political intercessor? I don't even know what you're talking about. What's a political intercessor? He goes, the Lord showed me that he sovereignly called him. He goes, I don't even know that Harry S. Truman knew that. But he was, God's hand was on him in a most unique way. Now, there were other people important in Israel in, in making an impact at Israel becoming a nation in 1948, but nobody had the role that Harry S. Truman. It was unique in terms of in the whole earth, that he stood alone in the role that he played, the determining role of Israel becoming a nation, and nobody else had the influence that he had in his particular way. And I said, okay. Cool. I don't want to live on his farm because of that. I'm glad he did it. And I didn't really know this, but I know it now. But it, there's many biblical prophecies, Old Testament, but most, some New Testament, but uh, 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 prophetic passages of which Israel has to be in their land related to the events related to Jesus' second coming. And it's really clear now, but I didn't really know that 40 years ago. 
And uh, so Bible teachers for 2,000 years have read those passages. Israel has to be in the land. And they're reading it, Bible teachers going, well, it's impossible for them to get back in the land. They're never gonna be a nation again. Well, they have to be related to the end time events that culminate with Jesus' second coming. And so for 2,000 years, Bible teachers just said, well, maybe it's symbolic. They're symbolically in the land because there was no way in the natural that it could take place. And then suddenly, because of Harry S. Truman, not only him, but him in a, in a very unique role, they become a nation in 1948, May 14th, 1948. And it shocks the world and it shocks the body of Christ. It shocks the prophecy teachers. They go, this is real. This is, I don't know any of that. You know, I grew up in Kansas City. And I, I didn't even, I knew there was a Truman High School and a Truman president as about it. I didn't have a clue what he did. And Bob urged me to really consider the implications. He goes, do you understand the implications? God sovereignly raised up a man from Grandview. He anointed him as a political intercessor, though he probably didn't know it, to have a unique role, a very unique role, and the reestablishing, the rebirth of Israel as a nation that is a dramatic, one of the most dramatic events in history, political events in history. I go, no, I haven't really thought much about it. I go, but I don't, I, I like that, that's neat, I, I, but I don't want to move to Grandview, and I don't want to pray for Israel, to be totally honest. Because <laughs> that, in our first meeting, he was really pushing me hard on this. I go, I, I, I'm really into revival. John G. Lake, Charles Finney, George Whitfield, the first and second great awakening, you know, the power of God, Reinhard Bonnke. I want revival in souls. I don't want to move to Grandview. And, you know, I hope Israel does good. I'm sure they will, but I don't ever pray for Israel. I just pray for revival. Roman numeral one. I, I, I mean, uh, paragraph one on the notes here. So Bob says, the day I met him again, we're still in March 7th, the first day I met him, he talks about the role that Asia is going to have with us or us with Asia, is a better way to say it, and Israel. He says, and he saw, most of you know, you've heard the story many times, he saw smartphones uh, back almost 40 years ago. And he said, all over Asia, first day I meet him now, he goes, they're watching singers and musicians. He goes, you're gonna be right in the middle of this. This is what God's raising you up to give leadership to. On Truman's property, they're gonna be watching you all over Asia on unplugged TV sets out in the rice paddies. I'm picturing, you know, a 30-inch TV set tripping over the wire, some poor guy in the rice paddy. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, the Lord's gonna use what he's gonna do on the Truman property. He's gonna use many, many ministries, not just us, but he goes, you, you have a role that God cares about because God has a sovereign call, a really important one for Asia Praying and standing with Israel, it's more important than you know. And your role in it is going to surprise you, and that property is going to surprise you. He goes, you know, I, I love to tell a story. He goes, are you a singer, musician? And I go, no, no. He goes, do you ever pray for Israel? I go, never. He goes, are you connected to Asia? I go, not at all. He goes, that's going to be your number one nation, of, uh, I mean, area of the world of connection. He goes, you don't know anything I'm telling you? I said, Nothing. I don't know anything you're talking about. He said, the Lord told me you'd be dull. I didn't think you'd be this dull. He, and I go, what do you mean? He goes, that's what I mean. This is gonna be work. You don't know anything I'm talking about? I go, no. It's like, you're in a different world. Ends up he was in the right world. But anyway. But the fact of uh, 
It says in the rice paddies, which means the poor of Asia, not just the wealthy that had sophisticated machinery and equipment, state-of-the-art one day, you know, 40 years ago, there was no such thing as a cell phone, but I thought maybe, but the poor, it's going to be that dramatic. They're going to be watching singers on Harriet Truman's property. Now, why did the Lord want to connect Asia to Truman? Because the Lord says, because IHOP, of course, we didn't call it IHOP. We didn't have any thought of that at that time. He said, you're going to do 24-7 prayer on that property, and it's going to come together in a way that's going to surprise you, and it's really going to matter because God has a sovereign purpose for Asia. Paragraph two, I mean, a, pro- a purpose with Asia and the prayer ministry and IHOP and Truman and Israel all together. Like what? He goes, I don't know, but it will all come together. And my point in this little exhortation here is that the dot, I mean, the, the things are coming together right now in a strange, rapid way. You know, three 50 year jubilee things, a 40 year transition, and these four words in May of 83, they're just all kind of moving together. And I'm going, we're in a timing of the Lord. And I don't know exactly what it means. Paragraph two, the Lord spoke in a real strong way. I'm not going to go to the details now because I just want to do bullet points on the details, not break them down in a big way. He said uh, that you're going to pray to raise up 100 million intercessors for Israel. And that's something we've been saying for 25, 30 years. I don't know, 100 million intercessors for Israel. Not that we would do it, but we will be involved in it. We will be cheerleaders for it, catalytic in it. We'll be committed to it, and 100 million Gentile intercessors for Israel. Like, what? But the Lord made it very clear. Paragraph three, most of you know this story. It's a 25-minute story, but I'm going to give it to you in like a minute and a half. And if you want more details, go to our website and look under prophetic history. I have 10 one-hour sessions where I tell prophetic stories. It's not teaching. It's telling prophetic stories about what the Lord has spoken to this spiritual family. Some of it has happened, but a bunch of it is yet to come. With angelic visitations, the audible voice of the Lord, some dramatic encounters with the Lord, that he proved it in a way that was just not fanciful thinking or kind of delusional, like, wow, wouldn't that be something? I'm not interested in some some little pipe dream, some little, you know, getting stuck in some cul-de-sac, thinking something's going to happen, not, not even real. I want to do real or I don't want to do it because it's too much investment to get on some fantasy trip. And so I only buy stuff as best as I can see that is confirmed in a way that we can't be tricked. I got to believe it in a way that isn't because, you know, you know that many of you are the same way. But anyway, paragraph three most of you know the story. We receive the Truman property uh, free. It's given to us in like in one day. The Truman property, the Jewish family that bought the Truman property from Truman knocked on the door of IHOP. And I'm not going to tell the story because I have it on the internet, a 20-minute version of it, which is fantastic. But the point is, we now have 160 acres right there on I-49. And I don't know how much that property's worth. It's debt-free. It's ours. And a man rose up and paid for the first 125 acres. He paid for it all. And he said, he goes, it's a gift from God to you. And he said, the Lord told me that this property was a Jubilee property. 
because a jubilee property is a property in the Bible, it's a jubilee, where the property is debt-free and the, and the, proper, the property returns to its rightful owner because if it's been sold under debt in difficult situations, the property has to come back to its rightful owner. That, that's in the Old Testament. So what happens is we close on the property 50 years to the day that Truman sold it to the Jewish family, the Jewish family sold it to the IHOP, January 27, 2008, January 27, I mean, 2000, I mean, January 27, 1958, Truman sells it to them. January 27, 2008, they sell it to us. It's 50 years on the day. I go, how could this happen? How can you make this happen? We have it debt-free, the man who gave us the money, and he said, the Lord told me it's a jubilee property. You're going to have it debt-free, and he's returning it to its rightful owner, the intercession movement for Israel. So I, we are blown away. We, I didn't do anything. Then someone knocked on the door, and the guy said, I'll pay it. And I went, 10 minutes later, and they did it. I never met anybody. I never met the family or anything, and we had the deed some weeks or months later, whatever, right there on the 50 years to the day. I said, what's the chance of that happening? So I called Bob Jones. You know, he's about 80 years old or something like that. He lives in, in uh, East Coast. I go, Bob! I said, we got the Truman property 50 years to the day. And I said, debt-free, it's ours. He goes, you didn't believe a word I said. He goes, you never believed it. You were the hardest guy to work with. But I loved you. I loved you. <laughs> and he would talk, we'd do that tongue-in-cheek. It wasn't all tongue-in-cheek, but most of it was. <laughs> he, and so he's, I said, Bob, it's amazing. He goes, I told you 25 years ago in 1983, because it happened, we get it in 2008, that it would be a sign and a wonder. And it's a 50-year jubilee property. That jubilee property now is seemingly the Lord's pushed a button in heaven and events are unfolding to begin to do things with that property that is bigger than any of us. But again, that's yet for another time to talk about. Then they, the surprising development of putting, uh, 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 taking Highway 71, for how many years it was Highway 71, not, you know, many, many decades, and they made it Interstate 49, which brings a tremendous amount of wealth and economics through that area. And our Truman property, the 160 acres, borders right there on the highway. And the, on, just on the internet, I don't know how accurate all the sources are, but I checked a number of them the last couple of years. They're estimating 25,000 new jobs. And I-49 and I Highway is part of it, and the Google Fiverr is part of it. There's about five reasons why this is happening. 25,000 new jobs in a five-mile radius of the Truman property. And an angel visited Bob way back when and says, wealth is coming to this area. Watch. Wait, this is 50 years ago. And all of a sudden, dominoes are falling into place. And I'm going, what is that? 25,000 new jobs in a five-mile radius of the Truman property with a new highway. And so they change the highway, the authorities do, to name it I-49. I keep saying Isaiah 49 because many of you have pointed out that Isaiah 49 is one of the main chapters in the Bible about the salvation of Israel. And Isaiah 49, verse 12, talks about Asia's involvement in the salvation of Israel. And that's the name of the highway running right by that property that's going to be a part of bringing wealth to that area. I mean, 25,000 new jobs, that's amazing. Now, we know the Lord's a king. 
He's a nation builder. He's a mathematician. He's a scientist. He's a musician. He's a singer, but he's a poet too. And there's divine poetry in so much of his leadership. So the authorities, it's a 25-year project for I-49 to get established, but it lands on December 12, 2012, and they proclaimed at the dedication, 12-12-12, December 12, 2012, we are proclaiming Isaiah, I mean, I keep saying Isaiah, internet 40, uh, whatever, you know. <laughs> and so there's a symbolism in poetry, but it's the Asia connection. That's the main time Asia is mentioned in Isaiah related to the salvation of Israel. It's in Isaiah 49, verse 12. And if you read it, you, you may, you, maybe you don't get it, but do a little research and you'll find out that uh, it's uh, most likely talking about Asia. And so these events are unusual, but there's divine poetry in them. In my opinion, I'm gonna make a, a, a big statement, but I've, I really believe it true. The, the Truman property in my opinion, from a prophetic point of view, from a Holy Spirit prophetic point of view, is one of the most significant properties on planet Earth related to Israel that isn't in the land of Israel. I'm gonna say it again. That piece of property is one of the most significant properties on planet Earth related to Israel and the salvation of Israel that's not in Israel itself. And God spoke, he said, to Bob Jones. Bob didn't have an opinion, didn't care. Many, you know, 50 years ago, whatever it was, I am raising, I raised up a man from Grandview as a political intercessor. I've sovereignly called him and in a unique role for Israel to become a nation, and that property is mine, and I'm gonna move spiritual intercessors on that property, and they're gonna bring Asia to that property, and 100 million intercessors are gonna come forth in the earth, and that property is gonna be important to me. Truman had a role unique in history. Cyrus had a role in the restoration of Israel in 538 BC, but even then, when they came out of Babylon with, with Cyrus, they still had, their statehood was still intact. They were in, in, in captivity, but they were released out of it, and they went back to having their government and all that function. But Truman took Israel with no statehood at all for 2,000 years. It was very unique in history. And the Lord somewhere has put his hand on that property. And that property is where Bob Jones saw that procession from the Truman property to the Truman Sports Complex at Arrowhead Stadium down one street for 12 miles. And some of you know about that procession, that 12-mile procession that's too big of a story to go into right now. But uh, the Truman property to the Truman Sports Complex, which is Arrowhead Stadium, because the Lord says, I have an appointment with the body of Christ in Arrowhead Stadium. And we'll get to that in just a moment because it's related to Truman as well. It's, and again, these, this whole prophetic storyline with poetry, but real events lining up. And I'm not one to get too into the dates lining up in the poetry, but sometimes you just, you just gotta pay attention because I don't want us to get at the 40-year mark next May and us to kind of be clueless as to what's happening. I, want, I don't wanna exaggerate it, but I want us to be paying attention to it. Paragraph E, what is the overall message? That's what I'm stirring you up. I'm wanting to stir you up to enter into a conversation together over this next six months. And not that we ended six months. What is the overall message of these four Saturdays in May, 39 years ago, together with the 40-year transition word that Chris has given in our 40-year history, it literally begins. And the three 50-year jubilee points that I'm gonna just say real quick in just a moment. 
And I'm wanting us to ask how this, what this means to us. Well, let's look at these three. I don't have it on the notes. Oh, by the way, I have a transcript already made. It's on the, on the website right now. It's about 10 pages where I have all this information laid out clear. I'm giving it to you pretty rapid fire, but I fill in, the, in some of the blanks. So it's, it, uh, it's, we've already made it and, and it was posted this morning. So if you want the transcript of what I'm sharing with more detail, little slower pace. You can read it a little bit slower than I'm talking. And uh, you might be able to grasp it with some of the dates and the times and, and the numbers, et cetera. But three, and I put this a little bit more detail on the transcript, the three 50-year timing indicators. The first one is because they're all coming together with the 40-year transitional time, they're coming together in the same time frame. The first one is the 50 years that Israel, I mean that the Truman property is sold to us, it's given to us after it's been prophesied for 25 years. It comes to us at the 50 years to the day. So that's and this is something that's going to be a kingdom blessing to Israel at the end of the day. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with, hey, we got it at the 50-year mark, because that was in 2008. It's been for 25 years we waited, and then we get it at the 50-year. But now at the 40-year transition uh, uh, year of our 21-day fast back in May 83, now the Lord's highlighting that jubilee Truman property and saying, I'm, I want to now start developing it. And there's some ideas and some visions that are far more than just our normal thought, because we've always thought for years that we would put the United Nations of Prayer was a word the Lord gave us on the property and make it central to raising up 100 million intercessors with many other ministries, but much more than even the United Nations of Prayer which IHOP would be housed in that, but United Nations of Prayers is a big thing, a lot to say about that. And by the way, Truman's the one who started the United Nations as well. That's part of the Truman legacy. But I'm getting way off topic right here. But, but anyway, the Lord's saying the 50-year Jubilee property, Truman property is yours, and I'm shining my light on it right now, and things are gonna start happening. The second 50-year timing factor, again, this is just the backdrop to this 40-year transitional year that we're gonna enter into starting in May 2022. It has to do with the, uh, the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. And it was in the late 80s, Bob Jones had prophesied to a number of people. I've talked to, I didn't actually hear him myself because I was travel, traveling quite extensively with John Wimber when he was giving these words. I was gone so much for a number of years. And, but many of my friends said, I heard it many times. He says, when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, They've only won it once. When they win it the second time, that's a timing that God has an appointment at Arrowhead Stadium. He has an appointment for the body of Christ in that stadium. So it's kind of a cool word. And, you know, you never know. Well, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl in 2020, 50 years exactly after the first time they won it. So it's like, that was odd. How do you make that happen? You know, I mean, if I had my way, they would have won it year 49. But anyway, year 50, there it is, and it's like, okay, that's kind of poetry, uh, and they've only won it twice, it's 50 years, and at the same time that they win it, that same season, just a few months before, the sand, which filled up the stadium in Orlando, and filled up three stadiums in Brazil, Arrowhead Stadium called Andy Bird, Luingo, that team in the sand, and said, would you come to Kansas City and fill up the stadium with people worshiping and praying? They call Andy Bird. He doesn't call them, they call him the same time when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. And Bob Jones said, 
25 years ago, when they win the Super Bowl, it will be a, a timing indicator. There will be an appointment for the body of Christ at Arrowhead Stadium. And it's gonna really happen, and it's gonna happen, it looks like, this May or June, right at the 40-year transition mark, we're gonna all be involved together at Arrowhead Stadium, and that, that's a big, big story that's bigger than what I wanna say right now, but it's, the timing is just unmistakable that something is unfolding right now. Then the third 50-year uh, indication, this is not for anybody else, this is personal to me, is that in February, uh, 1971, I began teaching the Bible on a weekly basis, and so this February, this year, was my 50-year jubilee beginning it. So in my personal ministry, it's my 50-year jubilee. So I'm looking, I'm on my jubilee. The Chiefs have their jubilee. The Truman property has its jubilee, and now the Lord's pushing the button to unfold it while we're in the 40-year transitional time and I believe the United Nations of Prayer and the 100 million intercessors for Israel, we're gonna see it, and it's gonna be something marvelous. But the Lord is really saying, the point is, I am jealous for this. I'm the one jealous for it. Yes, I'm gonna use you, and that's dear to you, but it's dear to you because it's dear to me, because that's my purpose. So Roman numeral number two, the first Saturday, and I'm just gonna give the rapid fire on these because... On each one of these, I have an hour or what, 30, 40 minutes on each one of them on the internet, on the website there, and you can, you can get it yourself if you want it, but we're going back to May 7th, the first Saturday, the very first Saturday of uh, May, May 7th, so let's go back three weeks earlier. I have just met Bob Jones. I've known him five weeks. We're still not flowing well together. We're, you know, we're an odd couple, to say the least. <laughs> We're just real different from each other. <laughs> but we're trying to, like, what? What'd you say? You know, that kind of, what do you mean? What did I say? Don't you get it? No, I don't get it. Why don't you get it? Anyway, it was a little bit of that. And so I'm at our Wednesday night prayer meeting on April 13th. I have it right there, paragraph A. We've only been in the city four months. We got a Wednesday night prayer meeting. We're praying. And I hear the internal audible voice of the Lord. I don't hear it externally. And I've heard the internal audible voice maybe seven to eight or nine times in 50 years. So I'm talking about something very distinct, very alerting, very alar alarming in a good way. Or alerting is a better way to say it. And the Lord spoke to me, Daniel chapter nine and 10. Call a 21-day fast and start May 7th. This is on April 13th. It's like, I don't know much about Daniel nine and 10. And I've never done a call a 21-day fast. How do you do that? You know, back in 1983, before Lou Engel was calling them to the whole earth, I never heard of anyone who called a 21-day fast for a whole ministry. I went, I don't even know how you do it. I don't know what you do when you do it. And so, but it's so clear. Daniel 9 is when the angel Gabriel appears to Daniel and tells Daniel, I don't even get this, but tells Daniel about the salvation of Israel. And and so the Lord says this real clear. Daniel 9, Gabriel, I don't know about Israel. I don't even understand that part. 21-day fast, start on May 7th. It is so alerting. The next morning, I call Bob Jones on the phone. I go, I've only known him five weeks. I go, Bob. He goes, I said, something happened last night. He goes, I know, I saw it. I go, no, I don't really think so. No, I don't think so. He goes, oh, I did. Come over to my house right now. So 
I get two guys, they're, they're at the church office at Overland Park, and I go, hey, would you get in the car? We're going to meet this guy. I don't even know how to tell you about him yet. He's just different. And I heard from God, and I never say that. I heard from God. I mean, that was not my language. That's not something I say very often. And uh, I mean, even when I do hear from God, I don't like to position it that way. I just like to say, hey, let's go in this direction. And then let people say, hey, that was the Lord, instead of like pushing it on them. I don't, I don't want to do it that way. So I said, I heard from God at Daniel 9 and Gabriel in a fast, 21 days, May 7th, started in three weeks. I go, they said, what? And I said, I'm not, I don't want your counsel. I just want you to be a witness because this guy is so different. Maybe he knows about this. I don't think so, though. There's not a chance. We walk in Bob Jones's house, and in the first minute, he looks at me. He says, I saw what happened to you last night. I go like, what? He says, I saw Gabriel. And he's in 50 years of ministry or whatever the number is. I don't really know how long he prophesied, but many years. He's only claimed to my knowledge to have seen Gabriel one time was that day. He said, I saw Gabriel last night. And I went, you know, it's like, whoa. And uh, he goes, he told me, give the young man Daniel chapter nine and he will understand what to do. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. And he says, and the Lord said that on May 7th, a comet's gonna come across the heavens that's gonna be a sign and a witness that what you do on May 7th, the Lord is zealous about and he cares about. He goes, now tell me what your plan is. I go, I don't even know how to talk right now. And these two guys were just awestruck. They go, because I told them in the car. And I said, yeah, it's May 7th. So we call this fast. I don't even know how to do it. We have about a 700-seat sanctuary in our new little church, but people came from all over the Kansas City area. I mean, ministries and pastors, and I don't even know how that happened. I didn't know almost anybody because I was new to the city because I'd been in St. Louis for seven years before pastoring. And so I'm on the front row, don't know most of the people in the building, and the, we're worshiping, and Bob Jones comes to me, and inter, I mean, not interrupts me, but st- does, but in a good way, and he shows, has a paper. I'm right there on the front row. It's right here, May 7th, it says, Comet comes across America unpredicted by scientists. He goes, I told you this three weeks ago. He says, I heard this from the angel. God cares about what's happening right now on May 7th. I went, Oh my goodness, this is like, what is this about? I didn't know hardly anything about Israel. I didn't even know Daniel 9 was about Israel. And so let's look at, uh, let's look at top of page two. Now it's May 14th. It's the next Saturday. Except for this is the one I didn't capture the date on. I wish I would have. I mean, it was about 10 years later because I have notes and journaling, I'm trying to figure out the day because it was when the Mississippi flood came. That was May 23rd. I knew it was a week before that, plus or minus a day. And I remembered it probably a Saturday, but not 100% sure. And the reason I wanted to give the doubt because Israel became a nation on May 14th. And I don't want to like, you know, like snuggle up to that date and say, hey, Israel became a nation. And guess what we did? Like, I don't like that kind of stuff. And so, but I think it was May 14th. <laughs> I actually do, but it might not have been. So I just want to be iffy because it's, I don't want to associate something that serious with the Lord listening going, oh, really? And it, it better be right. So I'm going to say it soft. I don't want to be presumptuous. And so what happens on that day? And I'm just going to now say uh, May 14th without qualifying it every minute. So on uh, 
The day before, I met the, we were doing 24 hours, I mean, we're doing uh, 21 days of prayer from 6 in the morning till 12 at night, 18 hours a day. We just took naps. People just, like, looked right in the sanctuary, there's people, like, taking naps everywhere. I took a couple naps a day, you know. But we just stayed in there. You know, we, we were trying to be like the upper room in Acts chapter 1, you know. I figured they stayed there the whole time, you know, so let's try it, you know. We were all young people, so we did those kind of things. But anyway... Now I'd go home and take a nap and come back later, but anyway, <laughs> that was the day. But uh, so I'm walking back and forth the day before, and I have this one verse, Psalm 27, 4, in my spirit all day long. I mean, from morning to night. I don't mean the, throughout the 18 hours. I don't mean every minute, but you know, all the time I'm whispering it. This one thing, I gaze on your beauty. This one thing, I gaze on your beauty. This, Lord, this one thing. Now, back in that day, I had never heard a sermon ever on Psalm 27.4, this one thing I gave on your beauty. I had never preached one. No one ever talked about Psalm 27.4. Now you hear it all around the world. That was a random, weird verse to me. And so the next day, Bob Jones comes to me, which I believe is the, is the uh, Saturday, uh, uh, May 14th. It could have been Sunday because every day was the same because we just 12 hours, 18 hours, we did the same thing for 21 days. So I kind of lost track of days. And uh, Bob Jones comes to me and he says, the, I, I saw the Lord and I saw an angel. And I said, wow, <laughs> really? I'm, I'm starting to kind of taking him a little, I mean, I took him serious, but it's starting to be more just accurate one after the other. I go like, what? He says, the Lord says yes to your prayer yesterday. I go, Awesome. My prayer yesterday, because I prayed on the microphone probably every day for those 21 days, 10 times a day, because we got 18 hours to cover. And so probably 10 minutes, 10 times a day. And I said, what, Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, Philippians 1? I just went down the list every day. And he goes, none of those. I go, well, what's the Lord saying yes to if it's not that? He goes, to the prayer he gave you. I go, what do you mean the prayer he gave me? He goes, Psalm 27, 4, this way. I went, whoa. I go, that is what I, I didn't even think I was praying. I was just saying it. I guess I did pray it. He goes, all day. I go, yeah, I did. He goes, the, Holy, the Lord visited me and told me he put that in your heart. He says, you're going to have 24-hour prayer in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. And that meant spirit of the tabernacle of David with singers and musicians. I said, that's not what Psalm 27.4 is about. Psalm 27, 4, your verses 1 to 3, it's military conflict, and David's about to be killed with violence. And then he randomly says, let me see your beauty. It didn't make any sense to me. You know, because the passage is about David being fearful of being destroyed in a military conflict or just violence and betrayal and, and people killing him. And that random verse about beauty, he goes, no, it means 24-7 prayer with singers. I go, I don't think so. He goes, oh, I heard it from God. I promise you it does. I go, well, okay, but the Bible didn't prove it. He goes, you wait and see. And later, now I understand it really is. <laughs> there I was wrong again. And the idea that God is going to put in the middle of the prayer movement and even the conflict at the end of the age, the revelation, the joy and fascination of the revelation of Jesus' beauty, it's going to give us more strength and it's going to be more powerful than even the challenges we're going to have with the difficulties and the stigma and the, and the negative pressures. We're going to be bolstered in our strength by the revelation of the beauty of God individually and collectively as a community. And then I said, well, at this time, I'm not getting it. I go, 24-7 prayer. I don't, I don't really think I want to do that because we're doing these prayer meetings all day and they're rough. 
I mean, everybody's screaming at the devil. They're like, oh my gosh, this is getting really, because we're on a water fast, so your nerves are on edge, and we don't have music all day. Just one after the other, people screaming on a microphone. So about day 10, I'm just like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and, and Bob says, you're going to do this all the days of your life? I go, I don't think so. <laughs> this is a one-off deal. Trust me. He goes, oh, no, trust me. You're doing it, and you're doing it on Truman's property in Overland Park. And, I mean, over in, uh, in Grandview. None of it made sense. He goes, and then, he goes, an angel appeared to me. He goes, and when you get to 500, you're going to go to 5,000 overnight. I go, when I get to 500, What? He goes, full-time singers and musicians and intercessors. I go, I mean, we had a staff of about 10 people, a few pastors and some administrators at our young church. I go, we got 10 people on staff. He goes, you're going to have 500 on staff. I go, that's not possible. He goes, well, that's not the problem. The problem is, at the Lord's timing overnight, you're going to have 5,000 by multiplication. I said, 5,000 what? He goes, full-time people, that's will be their occupation. They'll come from all over America and the nations. Because you'll have the Truman property when that happens. You'll have 24-7 prayer going. I go, 5,000 staff members? We have 10. I mean, I can believe 40. What are you talking about? He goes, watch. He goes, the angel said, watch Mississippi. I go, for what? He goes, there's a flood coming to Mississippi, and there's going to be 5,000 people. He says, when the flood comes to Mississippi, you'll understand it's a parable that when the flood of the Spirit comes to Kansas City, 5,000 people will relocate and find a new home in Kansas City overnight. 5,000 by multiplication, and it's connected to the Truman property. I, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Number one, I don't want to do 24-7, no matter what, for sure, not that. I want revival, but I don't want to do that 24-7 thing, for sure. Because I didn't have a vision of beautiful music and anointed singers. And I just had people screaming at the devil on a microphone. It was just, back in 83, they, there just wasn't language yet for prayer meetings very well. And, uh, and some folks my age, you know what that was like back in the 80s. It was tough. And so now it's beautiful. I love it. But... And, and I go, Mississippi. So about a week later, that's where I, it was May 23rd. He brings in a, a week later, give or take a day or two. He says, look at this. The, the newspaper says, flood strikes Jackson, Mississippi. 5,000 people brought into new homes overnight. I go, how did you know that? He goes, what do you mean, how did I know it? An angel told me a week ago or whatever it was, six, seven, eight days ago. I said, well, that means that 24-7 thing is probably right. He goes, oh, it's right for sure. And you'll be on Truman property, and you'll be connected to Asia. I go, oh, my goodness. He goes, that's not the end of it. It's 5,000 by multiplication in one night. And he, doesn't, he said, I don't know if that means literally one night. It will be overnight. It will seem like one night. It will be. He goes, I don't know. He said, overnight. 5,000 people to multiplication when you have 500. He says, then it will go to 10,000 by addition and then 15,000 by addition down the road. And he brought the newspapers the next couple of weeks and said, flood dislog I mean, uh, displaces 10,000 people like a week or two later. Then it went to 15,000, just like he told me on that original day, which I, I think was May 14th. And he said, here it is. And uh, I want you to see this. He goes, and I... And he told me on the, that Saturday or Sunday, and now the next couple of weeks, it's in the newspaper. Those very things. He, I go, he told about 10 of us. I go, how did you know this? He goes, I didn't know nothing. I just, an angel told me. It's really easy if an angel tells you. And I said, why is he telling us? He goes, he wants you to know he's really zealous 
about what's gonna happen on that Truman property. He wants you to know, he wants 24 seven, he wants you to engage with Asia, with Israel, many other places too, and, and again, the, the thing the Lord spoke later about 100 million intercessors for Israel. Wow, what a remarkable reality. Okay, let's go to Roman numeral four. I'll even do this one quicker. Roman numeral four, this is a, the, probably the most glorious one. And again, I got a 20, 30 minute uh, versions of it on video and transcripts on, on the internet where the Lord appeared as Jehovah Rapha, which is his name in the Old Testament in Exodus 15. Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that healeth thee. And the Lord appeared, and some things happened to me, and the Lord appeared to Bob Jones, and he told me the things that happened to me on that day. And again, it's, I don't want to go into the details now because it's not the point to tell it all. I've told it many times in the last 40 years. And, uh, but my point is to see the composite story. My point is to have the conversation that's engaged in it. What's the whole thing mean together? And so Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that healeth thee. And the Lord said, and no disease known to man will stand before these people. And this is going to happen around the world, not just here. And it's related to standing with the Lord in Israel and night and day prayer and the beauty of God. And all these things are connected together. So you can read more about that third Saturday. And then the fourth Saturday, I'm going to bring this to an end here. The fourth Saturday was the final day of the fast. So, because we began on a Friday, on a Saturday, and then on 21 days later, the fourth Saturday, it ends that way. And I mean, we are excited the last day. I mean, think about this. We're a young adult congregation. Gabriel appeared. That's big. A comet appeared in the sky a day, told three weeks ahead of time on that very day. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, appeared. Bob knew the Psalm 27.4 that I prayed all day that no one knew, and he told it to me. That, that was pretty cool, but the Mississippi thing really made it something because that was a week later. It was in the natural. Even I, I always said, how did you know I prayed that all day? He goes, okay, well, how do you think I know? I'm not guessing. And so we gather that, that, you know, that 700-seat sanctuary. I, I, if I remember right, it was jam-packed. I think it was. <laughs> At least that was 40 years ago. But I just remember we were all excited. <laughs> and we're there, and Bob Jones comes up and grabs the microphone. That's the first time he's ever talked in front of that congregation. We've always talked five or ten in the back room. The, most of the people did, didn't know anything about him. Bob sat at the back all the time in the 21 days, like way back in the corner. And they're thinking, who's that guy coming up here, you know? And because he wore overalls, typically. So he came up with the overalls, kind of, hi there, you know. <laughs> They're going like, who? okay, who's this guy? And I'd been talking to him, but nobody else knew him. He goes, well, I got good news and I got bad news. And they're thinking, who's he? He goes, here's the good news. God has an appointed time where all the promises that he is making are going to come to pass. He has a sovereignly appointed time, and it absolutely is sure. That's the good news. Okay, here's the bad news. There's a spiritual drought over this nation now, and that drought's going to continue. The revival you think is starting tonight or this week or this month is not. He goes, but it really matters what you're doing. I go, excuse me, we did this and there's no revival. He goes, yeah, it's coming. Maybe years down the road, because the Lord's setting up something far bigger than just having a revival in your church. There's something far bigger going on. And so he goes, but here's the word of the Lord. He goes, as surely as there's a drought in the spirit, uh, spiritual drought in this nation, there'll still be kingdom activity, but we, didn't, we haven't had a great revival in the last 40 years. 
I'm talking about a revival like the book of Acts and beyond. We're still in a spiritual drought. People are getting saved, miracles are happening, but nothing like they're going to happen. And we're gonna keep believing for those things now, but there's coming a day where it's gonna go far beyond the book of Acts. I assure you of that in terms of power. He said the spiritual drought is on the nation and to be a sign in the heavens, meaning the weather patterns, he says as a sign in the heaven, there will be a, a natural drought on this city. There will be. How do you know? I heard it from the angel. But here he says this on May 28th. But on August 23rd, he says this, the first time he's talking, I mean, he just says, August 23rd, unmistakably, the rains will come. And as surely as God has appointed a day to send the rains in the drought, in the natural, he has appointed a time to break the spiritual drought and the power of God will hit this nation in his timing in a way you can't imagine. Oh, and that's, oh, that's like awesome now, we're at the 40 year mark. But that night, that was like, get rid of that guy. What, what 21 days? We're, we're all hung out like, you know, like, like we're going to wait like five more years? Are you kidding me? If I wait five more years, I'll be in my mid-30s. Are you kidding? It'll be over. <laughs> if God would have told me 40 years, I would have collapsed. I mean, really, it would have just been, oh, my gosh. And so he, he says the drought's coming. So June our, our little vibrant young adult church of 500 people, it's dry. People are going, what happened to the revival? I don't know. I end up with a tumor on my vocal cords for three years that the doctors told me, if you don't take it out, not only will you lose your voice, you will die because it's growing. It started in June, right after that thing. I have a tumor, it goes for three years. And the Lord healed it at the three-year mark. But that's another story for another time. But but everything's going bad. The church is oppressed. I got to, I'm talking like this. I can't talk anymore. Like, I don't know what happened. And it goes on that way for like three years. And we're all confused. So June, rough. July, rough. August, ugh. August 23rd. Everyone said, maybe if it rains today, because the drought is it. It's the second worst drought in Kansas City's history in maybe 100 years of record keeping. I don't know how many years they've kept records, something like that. It's August 23rd. Everyone's on the phone, and you know you didn't have emails and all that back then. Let's gather. What if it rains today? You know, we so we have a 7 o'clock service that Tuesday night, and we're all thinking, if it does, that means everything in May was real. If it doesn't, it means we're just stupid or something. We don't know what it means if it doesn't. So it doesn't look like it's going to rain, but the place, if I remember right again, the place is near full. I mean, people are desperate, not excited, more desperate than excited. And we come in at 5 till 7. Cars are coming to the Tuesday night meeting at 7 o'clock. It's a torrential downpour of rain. It's raining so hard at 5 till 7. Let's say, I didn't time it, to 10 after 7. I just made that up. I don't really know. But my point is, the people who drove to the church could not leave their cars to get in the building. It was raining so violently, and nobody really brought umbrellas. Tells you where our faith was. <laughs> it didn't look like it was going to rain. It was a torrential downpour for that 10 or 20 minutes, whatever the length of it was. And I mean, when it lifted for a moment and people came in, they still were soaking wet. The place, hundreds of people screaming and hollering. I mean, we thought, yay, revival's here. And Bob says, I didn't say the drought broke. I just said, God's proved there's a sovereign timing. None of it is escaping his notice. Well, beloved, July, I mean, May this year, worship team, come on up. We are at the beginning of year 40. 
We have three, I at least three, jubilee moments, because the third one is my personal one. We have four words in, in, in uh, May 1983 that are coming together. The Truman property, something is moving there. Arrowhead Stadium is gonna be filled at the same time. The nations are shaking. Anti-Semitism is rising. The prayer movement is growing. The Lord is confronting the Laodicean spirit of compromise. And I believe 100 million intercessors are gonna rise up and there's gonna be trouble and adversity, but there's gonna be the beauty of Jesus empowering and fascinating the church beyond any pressure and Jehovah Rapha, the healing God in our midst in a time of trouble on the earth. And what an amazing, challenging, but amazing time to be alive. Amen, let's stand. And again, the transcript, I 10 pages, a lot more detail than I give you here if you want to look at it more. Spirit. 
right now we ask those on the web stream all across this room the Lord is good his mercy endures forever he wants me to proclaim this over your lives he's the God of the second chance he's the God of the new beginning the second chance a hundred times the God of the second chance the God of the new beginning you're not disqualified the devil's a liar the Lord is good his mercy endures your weakness his mercy endures your weakness the Lord says he wants to make this place a trophy of the grace of God he wants to make us champions of grace where we're overflowing with gratitude for the grace we've received and we give it freely to one another the God of the second chance some of you are thinking I've gone too far I want to tell you by the word of the Lord the devil's a liar you're not he's telling you he is good and he can endure he will endure your failures he will endure his mercy endures forever 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 if you will say yes some of you have lost your way some of you have lost your fire some of you have lost your commitment says, I'm here today's the day of salvation Today's the day of salvation. Jump in with all your heart, for I am here to show you that you will be trophies of my grace. And multitudes of unbelievers will have courage when they see the way I treated you with grace and tenderness. Multitudes will have courage when they see how kind I've been to you in your weakness. Let's keep singing this song. It's beautiful. So Lord, pour your spirit out right now all over this room and Jehovah Rapha heal march walk through the room heal bodies heal children heal minds heal eyes right now
that are struggling with dementia and Alzheimer's, struggling with phobias and fears, with insomnia, with anxiety. Siblings, the parents, bring them in, Lord. blessing over you in the end. I'm thinking of the children's ministry and they're serving all morning. And hey, we have a prayer room down the road and all the seats are free. And I want to tell you a secret. I'm joking. Jesus is zealous that that prayer room we engage in it. It matters to him. It matters to him. Therefore, it matters to us. So you can go from here right down there if you want to. Again, I like to say all the seats are free. Bless you, Lord, for this remarkable people that have said yes. Lord, in our weakness, we do say yes. Help us to walk out our yes. And the Lord says, ask me, and I will continually help you to walk it out. For the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever and forever. Amen and amen. Bless you, bless you. Go ahead and greet one another. But if you got children in there, go get them right away and tell the children's workers, say thank you. Look them right in the eye and say thank you. We went a little bit long today. The guy got a little long-winded. <laughs>